0: This week's podcast is brought to you by Mama Bird Interviews. My name is Daniela De La Cruz, and I help Dr. Clark run Mama Bird. Our interviews are such a great gift to your families as we capture family stories and wisdom that all too often get lost. Our most popular interviews are graduating seniors, but we interview a lot of grandparents, parents, and engaged couples as well. All for the great cause of empowering and opening doors for me and my peers. I know so many amazing young women from Mombello. And the more interviews we sell, the more women we can impact. On top of this, Dr. Clark has been an amazing mentor and boss to us, and supporting his work only makes the world a better place. Thank you, and enjoy another amazing podcast.
1: So if you're able to support us, please support Mombird interviews. Um, If not, then please pass along our name to a friend. And now we'll get started. I am really excited today um, for our interview for The Badass Woman of Central Park with Amanda Campbell. Amanda, we've known each other briefly through online. We've had one Zoom before about the work that we've done and and talked in different ways. Um, And I really respect you and how open you are with your journey. And I think that you're just getting stronger and stronger as time goes here. So the first question I would have for you is I know that you're really currently um, on fire for work around grief and specifically around terminal illness grief. And I wanted you to fill in people on your backstory and your journey of kind of how you got to this point with that.
0: Sure, yeah. Thank you, Dan. Um so where to start? So in um January of 2019, my husband Brandon, of we were married almost 8 years at that point, was diagnosed with very advanced stage 4 colon cancer. Um he had not been feeling well for a, a few months and was having a lot of back pain and um after many different doctor's visits, um, ended up in the emergency room and was diagnosed there with um, advanced cancer. Um, Took them a while to find out the origin, but we found out it was colon cancer. We're completely shocked. Um, He had no symptoms, Um, just something you didn't think that 37-year-olds got. So as you can imagine, our world kind of shifted a lot. Um, he started chemotherapy as soon as he could get the pain under control. Um, we juggled that with our then six-year-old son, Brady. Um, it was just a whirlwind, um, from diagnosis until he died. It was less than six months. Um, he died July 7th, 2019. And to say that experience changed my life would be, be an understatement, honestly. Um, It just really, I can't even put to words, it just completely changed my perspective on everything in life and just watching his journey through cancer and being his caregiver. And from the instant Brandon was diagnosed in the emergency room, I'll never forget that feeling. And it was just like this impending doom of you, your life just explodes and everything you knew you just question if that's going to exist anymore and what I learned throughout those months that he was sick and continue to learn and explore is that um, that's anticipatory grief so it's this thing I'd never heard about but when you know that you were going to lose somebody and we know very we knew very early on that Brandon did not have good odds. Um, his cancer was aggressive and we found out the mutation of his cancer was extremely aggressive and doesn't respond to standard chemotherapy. So I knew from that moment that he was going to die and I started to experience grief. And, um, I think it was most profound that, that first week of him being diagnosed. And as I worked through it, um, we went through his treatments and I was always having these feelings of, When is that other shoe going to drop and what's going to happen? And really what we started working with a social worker in the um, palliative care team at the University of Colorado Hospital at the Anschutz campus. And uh, she was life changing. She was phenomenal in how she um, approached end of life conversations and how she worked with Brandon separately, me separately, and then us together as a couple to really dive into what does this mean? And what are you feeling? And let's normalize this a bit for you guys so you can process this and work through it. And every day I, I look back on that and it was a gift that we had her and it allowed Brandon and I to have many conversations, um, about, life and end of life and, um, what was next and what he wanted for Brady and I, um, when he died. And at the time it was extremely difficult, but now I look back and I realize how much of a gift that was to me and that that Brandon had that strength. Honestly, I, I'm not sure I could do the same, um, to be able to have those really hard conversations and to be able to, um, talk about the hard things. So that kind of started my experience with, um, exploring grief and loss and understanding it. I'd, you know, prior to losing Brandon, I had never, I'd lost grandparents and that's really it. But I think with grandparents, you know, yes, it's hard and it's sad, but they've lived their life. They've lived a good life. And to watch your 37 year old husband, he was a, you know, marathon runner, a successful um, businessman, just a wonderful person. And to watch his life, you know, here on earth come to an end, it was, it was really difficult. And so since that time, you know, he, he was very passionate about um, the palliative care team at the hospital and had let me know that when he died, if you know people wanted to make any donations or anything like that, that he wanted it to go to the palliative care team. So after he passed away, um, we we started a um, an endowment fund in his name through the hospital, and I worked closely with the the head of the palliative care team um, and the social worker there to you know, talk about how we can best use those funds to really help people going through um, treatment and their loved ones. And then people after they've lost somebody, because there's just really not a lot of resources out there for people grieving. And um, I was fortunate enough to be able to have that social worker when Brandon was a patient, but after he died, you know, services stop. they just don't have the funding for it. And I was fortunate enough to be able to be able to pay for private therapy, but I know a lot of people are not. So um, the endowment fund goes to help um, grief and bereavement um, support. So it allows them to provide more services to people that need them. And it's something that, you know, I hope to continue to contribute to and um, help them build those programs. But for now, we're just starting um, with that program.
1: Yeah. I think that one of the interesting things that I find with myself is I'm conscious every day of, I think our mortality and that, you know, no matter what, if you live a hundred years, 120 years, you still have a short time on this earth, but not appreciative of it enough. And I've got kids that are small, like your child too. We've got an eight year old and a six year old. And so seeing that, even trying to be in the moment in that time and present and realizing that health is really wealth and, and that being healthy is, is everything. Um, As you get these diagnoses, as you look back in time to to the diagnosis, and I can't imagine how just that that train hits you, how, I guess going back, if you were to do it again or or through what you witnessed, how would you balance um, supporting a loved one who's going through this as far as trying to look strong? I think that's something that we do so often, Um, try to look strong and, and, and being vulnerable and honest at the same time with, I'm sure, how scary it all is. As well as on top of that, um, kind of the another thing I see with this is the person who's gone is gone at this point, and, and it's really you that's you that's dealing with us after the fact. So you're being so strong for them at the moment, but then you're grieving, I'm sure so much of it comes after in that capacity. So what, what, what would you recommend that people are going through this? How how do you balance that?
0: So in terms of you know that balance when you have a loved one that's sick um being a caregiver is hard (laughs) it is so hard and for me I took that on you know no question of course it's my husband I love him he's so sick I'm going to do everything I can to help him um which I did and for me that looked like I wanted to learn everything I could about colon cancer. Tell me everything. I want to learn it so that I can find the best options for him and support him. And um, for me, what was instrumental was surrounding myself with other people that were caregivers. And there's an online community called Colon Town. And it's uh, a nonprofit organization that is run by patients and caregivers. um, And they have all these private Facebook communities, over 100 communities online so there's one for stage four patients caregivers you name it and I joined those and that that allowed me a place to vent and get advice um, so that I could you know be strong for Brandon of course you know we had a very open loving relationship with great communication and so he knew how hard it was and I, I didn't hide that because I think being real is is important and so he encouraged me to, you know, make sure I was taking care of myself through it all. And I had amazing friends, um, coworkers, family who made sure that I was being taken care of too. And, and that just helped and meant so much to me, um, throughout that, because I had to juggle a lot. And, um, for me, I think I was fortunate. I feel very, um, blessed and that Brandon really gave me a gift and in how, just how strong he was in facing his diagnosis and his mortality. And that allowed him to be more vulnerable and real. Um, of course we held on to hope. We, we held on to hope and we, he went to treatment and we did all the things. Um, but at the same time, we were realistic and we prepared for the worst, you know, hope for the best prepare for the worst. And, um, unfortunately so many people just really they don't prepare for the worst because they just don't want to go there or they they just can't go there and for me i've i've dealt with and worked with many um widows and widowers over the last few years and have formed a lot of close relationships and what i realized is what brandon gave me was a gift I, it it truly was because a lot of those people didn't get those conversations and didn't get to have that um closure, if you will. Um, I was lucky enough to, you know, know what, what Brandon wanted, what his wishes were, what was important to him, his legacy, keeping that alive. um, And that he wanted me to move forward with my life and find happiness and love and of course, grieve him. But, um, but also to live my life, you know, he always said to me, um like, my time here is over, but yours is it. and you, you get to live. like you get to turn another year older. you get to experience life and so you know, so go fucking live it. That's what he told me. and that is so Brandon. and um, so I keep that in in my pocket every day. and it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day life and, stressed out about your kid's bus being late in the morning. And, but it just really puts it in perspective of, damn, what's important. And it's your, the people you love and the experiences and finding the joy in, in the day and um, not stressing about the small things. Cause in the grand scheme of it doesn't, does it really matter? You know? Um, so, it, you know, to answer your question, I think, for people to find that balance. Um, I would encourage people to try and have those hard conversations. Um, it's made me have those hard conversations with the people I love because uh, I have a friend who who he's a poet actually and lives in um, London and he he lost his mom and he writes about grief. And um, one of the things he always says that sticks with me is conversations save lives. And I think, you know, the conversations that Brandon and I had truly saved my life. It allowed me to move forward, to not get stuck in this place of grieving where I felt like I couldn't move forward and we're all going to die. And that's just the truth. And so why not have those conversations so that your loved ones know um, what's important to you, you know, and that that means everything from finances to little things like your wishes for them or for your children. And, um, I've become really, I guess, interested in exploring that, that space, because I just feel like I said, so blessed that Brandon opened that to me and gave me that gift. And I hope that for others, um, because not everybody gets that. So I feel like our society really does a terrible job at talking about grief, about loss, about normalizing it. And so people just don't, they don't go there. They don't talk about it. It's this taboo subject. There's all these um, notions out there about it that just aren't true
1: that I I do agree with that. I think people just think that you want them to ignore it or you don't want to talk about it anymore or whatever. So they certainly don't know what to say. Um, After you found out the diagnosis and even after you lost your husband, like what do you want people to say to you? Is it just that there's nothing I can say that makes this better, but I'm here for you. Do you want them to, you know, actively be doing stuff to try to take stuff off your plate? What is a a good answer for that when people have friends or family that's going through grief?
0: I think, you know, that's such a good question because I think until I experienced grief, I didn't really know how to support people going through it. I think until you go through it and everybody's a little different in, in what they want. But I think what everybody wants is to just be seen. They, you know, people don't expect... You to fix it or say the right thing but to just be witness and to just feel like people see you and for me that you know if people just said hey i don't know what to say but i'm thinking about you that's enough you know and um there's so many platitudes out there you know sorry for your loss um things like that and those are find things to say. If you, if you don't know what to say, um, at least say something. Don't not say anything because you don't know what to say. Um, and it's okay to tell people that you don't know what to say. Um, just not dropping off the face of the earth because you're scared to go there. And I think um, there's this notion that some people have that, well, I don't want to bring up your your dead person's name because I don't want to make you upset and um so then they just don't but I love to hear Brandon's name like say his name tell me about it tell me a funny story or you know something he did or a memory you have with him and I want to keep that alive forever so it's not going to make me sad it's going to make me happy because he lives on and um so I would encourage you to you know your grieving friends, family, um, and today's international grief awareness day, coincidentally, um, to check in on your grieving people and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about your person and how are you? And, uh, just thinking of you, you know, uh, that just goes such a long way.
1: So with, with that, you made me think of that. Cause I've tiptoed around a lot of this stuff too, in my, my own life in different ways. And I think that you'll always do a better job like giving other people advice and you don't take your own advice. So you don't want other people to be doing things that you may not necessarily do. Um, so with that, I to ask a question that I feel vulnerable asking, but I do want to hear, I loved your, you know, his statement about living life. And, and just tell me a little more about Brandon and, and kind of what per type of person he was or specific kind of stories that kind of go to that point. What would you tell people? If I just asked you about him, I never met him, which I hadn't. Tell me a little about him.
0: Uh, so Brandon, uh, he was just full of life. He was just a very vibrant person. Um, just really caring. He was, he was the kind of guy that remembered everybody's birthday and texted them on their birthday. He, you know, if it was mother's day, he'd reach out to all my friends and text them happy mother's day, you know, just kind of going above and beyond. Um, he, worked in management in the natural food industry, um, was a VP of operations. So, you know, he led a team, he was very, um, a very good leader and, you know, people on his team, I still talk to some of them and they just told me how much he influenced their life. And uh, he was just a wonderful man, funny, so funny. He was, uh, you know, always a jokester, uh, a wonderful dad, wonderful partner um, just a, just a lovely person. And, uh, we knew each other. We met in high school in 10th grade English and we, we dated for a few months in high school and I moved away across the country to go to college. And, uh, we stayed friends for a decade. And then in, um, 2009, we, we were chatting and we both just kind of put it out on the line of, Hey, like, I care about you and let's, let's try this and start dating. And so we did, and he lived in Virginia and I lived in Toronto, Canada, where, where um, we're from uh, in Canada. And we started dating. I moved to the U S three months later, we were married, you know, 2011 had Brady in 2012. And we just, you know, just went all in and um, had a wonderful life together. And, you know, he, he told me that all the time, you know, my greatest, my greatest blessing in and accomplishment in this life was our relationship and having an amazing child, um, Brady. And he, when he died, he he wrote a letter that I didn't read. I knew he had wrote it, but I I didn't look at it until after he had died, and he'd wanted it read at his funeral. And it just really summed him up. Um, you know, he the letter was saying you know as I leave this earth for whatever maybe next I leave with so much gratitude and he he talked about all the important people in his life and the relationships and how they made him into the person he is and um how he feels so thankful that he was able to live such a good life and uh you know the last sentence is you know miss me but carry me forward. And, uh, so I, you know, that's what a lot of us do now, you know, the ones who loved him and we carry him forward every day. And for me, that looks like living, living my life. And that's exactly what he wanted. And I knew, um, he wanted me to celebrate that. And so that's what I try and do every day.
1: Thank you for being so vulnerable with me and sharing that story and um, you make me think about my own relationship and how I'm very appreciative of it and grateful, but never not enough still, right? Not enough and not appreciative of every moment in this moment right now. And um, so I'm learning a lot from you. Uh, With that, you had a child this whole time that i'm sure forced you to be stronger were you just so grateful for having your kid during this time tough for him to have to go through this but also just how you needed to be everything to to this child did that just impact you so in so such big ways
0: so much so um there were many days in the first few months um, after brandon died where i'm not sure i would have got out of bed if it weren't for brady Um, if I didn't have to make him breakfast or, you know, take him to camp, um, I'm not sure I would have got out of bed to be honest. And so he, he really motivated me to literally put one foot in front of the other every day. And, uh, and I know, you know, kids are so resilient. He was six. He understood, you know, what it meant and that his dad had died and, you know, he wasn't going to come back and, and, but I'm not sure he really processed the gravity of that because he's six. And, um, we had started him in therapy pretty much as soon as Brandon was diagnosed. So he did weekly therapy and, um, that was just a really great place for him to process it all and ask the questions that he needed to. And, um, and then when Brandon died, um, we started at Judy's house, which is a, a childhood grief um, organization that actually just, we just went last night to the new um, building that they opened and very close to our neighborhood here. And uh that program just really supported him and and gave me the tools to help support him cuz my biggest worry as a parent was is my child going to be okay and kids are just so resilient and i knew i had to take care of myself before i could really take care of him so you know it was hard many times and going from you know Brandon and i had this a great balance of Taking care of Brady and juggling our careers, and I was in a place in my career where I was managing a large team of, you know, almost 200 therapists and working a lot of hours, and um, and he had a little more flexibility, so he was kind of that primary parent that was picking Brady up and, you know, dropping him off and taking him to activities. So, you know, to then go to him being sick and then, and then him dying, I had to pick up all the pieces and, um, it was hard, but man, I think <laughs> I'm so thankful for Brady. Um, and we just, we became, we were very close before, but we came even closer because we were a team, you know, and, um, have really open communication and, um, just a different relationship, I think, than a lot of people because of what we have been through together. So
1: if you are, um, hopefully we'll not have to go through all of this again, but for other people that may have to go through similar things, what type of things would you have done earlier? It sounds like you were pretty on top of all of this initially, but I'm sure you learned so much with experience. What would you have done differently going throughout the process or even after?
0: Um, I wish that I had more videos of Brandon, honestly. Um, It's funny as parents, you know, a lot of the, your videos are of your kids and he had a lot of videos of me, um, and Brady playing and I have some of him, but I really don't have that many. And, um, when he was sick, we had, you know, plans of things we wanted to do and, um, have some videos made, but he was just so sick that the timing just never worked out and he died. much sooner than we thought. Um, So we didn't get the opportunity to have those videos and what I wouldn't give (laughs) to have those. And, you know, um, which is why, you know, I love what you're doing, Dan, with being able to capture that, because I would encourage everybody to do that. So they have it of their loved one, because it's just an invaluable gift. And so I wish we would have that. Um, we would have had more videos. Um, I wish I would have asked for more help with some things. I think you feel guilty. I had I have a wonderful support system who you know jumped in to help however they could, but sometimes people don't know where you need help and you have to tell them. And so I got much better at that of saying this is what I need and how you can help me. But it's just being honest with yourself first of knowing what you need to ask for help for. Um, The one thing I did that I'm really thankful for that I know um, a lot of people don't have is just finding that support network of other people going through the same thing. Like I had Cole in town where... um, people were going through the same thing I was and I've made lifelong friendships there. There's a group of us that the fall of 2019, we had a little retreat up in Breckenridge and we had people, some people in Colorado, but some across the country, one from Canada. We all came together and all had lost our spouses within, you know, about a year of each other and we just were able to just be and talk and be with people who get it. You don't have to explain your feelings too, and um, I would encourage everybody to get that, to get surround yourself with those people, because it's just the greatest gift.
1: One of the things things that I think you are a badass for, and a reason for is I know that you put on a big event last year, a couple of years ago, um, to raise funds for colon cancer specifically. Can you, you, talked about you had experiences running large teams, but this was still seemed like a completely unique experience um, for you. Can you talk about just your work there and how you threw yourself into it and, and what that process was like?
0: Yeah. Um, so I really had knew nothing about colorectal cancer. <laughs> until Brandon was diagnosed and then I wanted to know everything. So I found an organization called the Colorectal Cancer Alliance and they're a national organization based in Washington D.C. and they do um they kind of have a couple different pillars that they that they kind of focus on it's um like prevention, care and connecting um So they raise money for um, various things like helping patients and caregivers navigate for clinical trials to support research, um, you name it, a lot of different programs they have. So in late 2019, they had approached me to see if I was interested in um, hosting the 2020 Blue Hope Bash. So they... For a few years prior to that, they'd started a Denver local Blue Hope Bash. So um, a gala that raises money for the Colorectal Cancer Alliance. And at the time I had, I had just decided to leave my career in healthcare management because I just couldn't juggle being a solo mom and, and having a demanding job, I didn't feel like I was doing either one justice. And I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. Um, I just couldn't honestly work in healthcare. I had been in a hospital pretty much five to six times a week for, um, you know, almost six months straight. And I just couldn't go back to that world. So I took some time off to reevaluate in this opportunity presented. And I said, Yeah, sure. So I jumped all in as I tend to do. And unfortunately, because of COVID, we had to postpone it. So we had the 2021 Blue Hope Bash last, um, October. And so I chaired that and we raised, I believe it was $150,000 at our gala. Um, and, uh, it was amazing you know it was a lot of hard work <laughs> while I was juggling uh, my career as a real estate agent that I had started in the midst of that um, it was a lot of work but it was really rewarding and um, I know the impact that those funds will have on other people and that, that's what kept me going.
1: <laughs> it's a good time to ask my, my standard question, which well, should be a standard question. Do you see yourself as a badass? Do you see that in yourself?
0: honestly, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I never really used to, um, but yeah, you know, I am a badass because I've been through a lot and I've, you know, continued to put one foot in front of the other, you know, I've moved forward every day. And sometimes that looks a little different than other days, but I look at how far I've come and you know, I've completely changed my career. I have a different outlook on life. I've, my son is thriving. Um, he's almost 10. He's doing so well. I, I'm happy. Um, and I know what I felt in that emergency room in January, you know, 2019, where I thought my world was going to end. Um, so I try and give myself more credit that, than I usually do. And yeah, I do. I do feel like I'm a badass, if you put it that way.
1: (laughs) I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Tell me a little bit about the process of falling in love again. We've talked about this and cleared this before. So this is something you're open to talk about, which I appreciate. Um, But I see so much strength in that too. And I really want that for if something would happen to me, I really would want my wife to live her best life, whatever that would look like. And I think love is, is such a wonderful thing. And so can you talk about that process? I'm sure it was difficult to be doing in general. I'm sure it was difficult with a child as well. Um, but, but take me through that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so like I mentioned, um, Brandon and I had had conversations about that and he, he was the one that brought it up to me you know, hey, I want you to know that after I die, I hope you meet somebody who loves you as much as, as I do and who loves Brady as much as I do and who makes you happy. Because life is too short, you know, to be alone. He's like, you're 37, Um, I, I hope that for you. And at the time, I, I was just like, I don't want to talk about this. Nope. like, nope. you don't even want to go there. But after he died, I you know, slowly started to realize like, yeah, I I do want to find love again and, um, share my life with somebody and who Brady can share, you know, his life with as well. So I met Josh and, um, he's just a wonderful, a wonderful person and a wonderful man. And he was special in that he, he holds a, a space for my grief. You know, he, Um, he understands it, doesn't judge it, um, and understands that I can, you know, still grieve Brandon and love him, but still move forward with my life and, and have space for, for him. And so I think that takes a special person. I think there was a lot of guilt involved with, with dating and there's a lot of judgment um people don't understand um that there's this duality that can exist you know you are always going to grieve your person I don't care it's not this magic one year mark that you stop grieving and you move on with your life you never move on you you move forward with your life and that person is always in your heart and always with you and um So you can hold this, this grief and this person in your heart, but you can also move forward and love and find joy and happiness. So it took me a while to work through that guilt because I didn't really fully understand that a duality can exist. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. So they see a grieving person, maybe dating again, um, and they think, oh, well, they're fine. They've moved on. They're over it, you know. Quotes, um, but you're never over it. You you just move forward, and grief grief lasts forever. And just like love, it just lasts forever. You don't stop loving that person. It just like you don't stop grieving them. It just evolves and looks and looks different. So, finding love again, it was, you know, not not always easy because it was, I was navigating what that meant. And I was with Brandon for, you know, we knew each other since we were 15. We were together 10 years as a couple and you have habits and tendencies with somebody and then you're starting fresh and you have a a son and it's just a lot of dynamics. But I think therapy helped me to really talk about that and navigate it. Um, and then just Josh and I having a really open dialogue about it of, Hey, you know, this is what I need. And, um, this is how I feel. And us both being, um, in a place to be able to have that open dialogue just allowed us to really keep moving forward and to keep, um, growing closer. So I feel very fortunate that I, you know, we're engaged now, um, He's wonderful. Brady adores him. Um, He adores Brady. And I feel really fortunate that I've, I found that love and um, get to experience it with him.
1: Yeah, I feel I'm a silver linings person. So all this stuff has happened to you and and you get to choose kind of how you move forward with it. And um, with that, I think that it probably makes you really kind of cut through the fluff in life, I'm sure, when you were when you yeah. were going back out there that you knew what you wanted or, or were pretty sure what you wanted. You weren't going to mess around, especially with your child involved. Yes. Um, have you seen that in yourself too? I guess let me ask you this question in that way is kind of how do you see going through this whole process has changed you as a person? You're still so young. So there's still so much life that you that you have to to live and how do you see it reflect in kind of the way you interact with the world
0: you know, you, it, that's so bang on, you kind of cut through the fluff, you, you know, life's too short to worry about the little thing. So you just kind of cut to the chase sometimes. And, you know, with dating that was, you know, not wasting your time on someone or something that just doesn't serve you. And I think that's what I had realized, you know, with my career in healthcare, which I did for you know, 14 years as, as a pediatric uh, occupational therapist, and then in in management, and I just realized very quickly, like, life's too short not to do what you love. So I needed to figure out what it is that I loved. And uh, so I took that time, and then COVID happened. And that gave me even more time to kind of think about it and explore and try and find this life's purpose, if you will. And I had um, kind of dabbled in real estate with um, investments, like investment properties. I decided in 2020 that, hey, I'm going to get my real estate license because I really do enjoy this. And um, I really enjoy helping people in a different way. That wasn't therapy. Therapy, I'm an empath. And when I was working with, as a therapist, working with families, and then mentoring other therapists, I just took on so much and I just couldn't do that anymore. So it was just a really easy decision of, Hey, life's too short. I've seen it firsthand. So I'm going to do something else that um, fulfills me. So I got into real estate and, um, you know, kind of really started doing more investing. And I, in March, I bought a duplex and um, have made it into a short-term rental. And I think I'm not sure if I ever would have done that pre-loss because I'm, I'm very risk averse. I'm very calculated and um, cautious by nature, but I think I've just taken more risks in life because tomorrow's not promised. So do the things now because you never know when um your time is up and not to sound morbid but it's just the reality and so i've just kind of taken more risks and um done things that bring me happiness and figured it out and um to me you know i'm not perfect we're humans and of course there are days when you can lose perspective and I'll still get annoyed with little things and that's just life. Um, but then I, you know, I look at, I try and take time every day to get, get more grounded and look at that big picture of, okay, what's important. And um, so I really take the time now to make sure that I'm spending quality time with Brady that we're going on vacations, traveling. Um, We traveled a lot as a family and we had a lot of big plans, Brandon Brady and I, and you know, everything was put on hold and then he died. So I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to wait till I'm retired to do all the things I want to do. I might not get to retire, you know, so I'm going to do what I can. And it's that fine line between, you know, being responsible and making sure that, you know, you are saving money and doing all the things you should be, but also living your life and, um, taking the trip and doing the fun thing because waiting till tomorrow might not serve you. So I think that's really changed my outlook on life for sure.
1: Yeah, we, um, I I always saw like career stuff as permanent, I'm an educator, and I'm going to work at this school forever. And can I see myself retiring from this job? And and my my winding path, which I always tell my students, you're going to have a winding path, and you're going to want a winding path, especially your career too. And really in life, you, you do want to do new things and experience new things and the growth that comes with these stressors in different ways. And you certainly wouldn't wish what you had to go through on anybody. But you do grow so much from it. And I'm currently interviewing you from Poland because we're taking a year off of life to live in Poland with my wife's parents so we can see them. And we had a lot of people from America say, you know, Ukraine's bordering with us. Are you sure you want to do this? And to me, it was like, our way of life is not promised. You need to do this stuff while you can. And looking back and i'm sure you you've without regrets i think that regrets when we do our interviews we with especially with elders it's always about the regrets and what you didn't do that you hang on to and hold on to and i don't want those regrets moving forward and so these little things and one regret that i think i would have is again not appreciating the moments enough with my young children so that's part of it or, or taking trips or whatever it is um, i agree with you it needs to be in a responsible way but you'll never regret that time and so it's so funny to me that that this may be a western thing it certainly is a western thing but like how averse to change we are even though that's the only constant is is that things are going to change um and and yeah i guess the, the outlook and just even hearing your experience makes me think of that too just how i do need to be even more appreciative of of it all um I don't think there's much of a question No question that I have in that. Uh, well, with track. I guess let's, that's a question is moving forward. Obviously you want a lot for yourself and your family. What do you see for yourself moving forward? What do you want?
0: Um, honestly, just to find joy in the days, you know? Yes. I, I want to travel a lot more and obviously COVID kind of put a damper on that, but um the world's opening up and, you know, I want to do more. We're talking about um, doing Europe for Christmas this year with Brady, Josh and I, and um, just exploring more, exposing Brady to more perspectives and more experiences. That's really important um, to us. And honestly, just feeling like I, like I'm, finding joy in the days. That's the best way to put it. Um, so for, for me, for the future, I'm, you know, I'm really enjoying my career in real estate. Uh, I love it. I love helping people in a different way and empowering people. Um, but I also have really felt this calling to, provide more education and normalization around the grief experience and around those hard conversations and educating people on the, this duality that exists. Um, because I've just been so close to this community of death and loss and grief for, for you know, over three years now that I've just seen so many people um, struggle and i've I've seen them kind of i liken it to they move into the neighborhood of this like deep grief, and they they just stay there and they just can't they feel stuck and it I just see how that affects their children if they have them, their life, their perspective, and they just feel like their life is over because they lost their person and what I've learned from my experience is that you can, you visit that neighborhood, you go to that grief neighborhood, but you don't have to move in, you know, you go there, but then you gotta, you gotta go out and you gotta find the joy and you have to make a conscious decision to put one foot in front of each foot every day. You know, you, you can't, you can't just live there and stay there. It takes effort and energy and um, intentionality. And so I've really felt this pull to, just share that message with people about this duality that exists. Um, Cause like I said, there's just so much that comes with grief and there's the guilt. And then there's this pressure from everybody looking at you like you're in this fishbowl after you've gone through loss and um, it can be a lot of pressure. And so as I've kind of processed that over the years, um, I've just kind of started sharing that message with other people and I know it's been helpful. So I'm trying to figure out ways that I can continue to hone that and process that and share that message because I think it is powerful and, and helpful for a lot of people.
1: That's wonderful. And hopefully the people listening that'll be, in there, you know, could be part of that message too. So I really appreciate your time and your honesty. And again, I'm someone too has really not been hit by um, loss in any way, my grandparents are the, the closest thing, and so it's coming at some point to my me and my family, and hopefully not ahead of time because I think that impacts it too. but we just should be more ready and you've given me a lot of tips that I can use um, and it's really just made me reflect on on how lucky I am in, in many different ways and how lucky we all are, you know even to to be here and have the ones we love. So thank you, I appreciate your time. Anything else that you want to say to the world as, as we wrap up here?
0: Oh, well. I mean, Dan, I'm thankful for, you know, this opportunity and for the work that you do. I think I can speak personally of how powerful that the work you do can be. And, you know, my mom, you guys recently interviewed my mom and, um, we're looking at, uh, getting Josh's parents interviewed and just more people, because those are just those that it it just, those are the things you're going to hold on for onto forever. You know, there's, there's things in life and then there's, those experiences that you're just going to take and um so so thank you for the work that you do it's meaningful and powerful
1: thank you I guess that brings up one more question that I'll let you go is I really want women to run the world um throughout this process have you seen women step up in different ways and throughout your grieving and and whatever it would look like I guess how have you seen women specifically step up to support each other and to support you
0: Yeah, I mean, I have a group of badass friends who um, have stepped up to help me um, in various ways throughout, um, throughout everything that I've been through the last, you know, almost four years with Brandon's illness. So um, whether that's healthcare workers who have just been more empathetic, um, and really, saw me and, and witnessed what we were going through Um, to friends who, you know, stepped up to help us through meals, through helping with Brady, um, you name it. I think women have a powerful ability to um, show empathy and to connect and to show up for you. So, you know, I'm thankful for all the women in my life, family, friends, um, healthcare workers who, who have shown up for me and and for Brady throughout this experience.